Uh, it's so good to uh, be preaching to uh, your lovely faces in person. I was thinking for a while I was going to have to do a, a video uh, sermon, and they're my, one of my least favorite things uh, in the world. So it's so good to, uh, to see you here, to be here with you. And we're looking, uh, continuing to look at this idea of kingdom culture, um, the idea that we are part of God's kingdom, uh, that uh, in Jesus Christ, God's kingdom broke into this world. Uh, broke into time and space. And we see that in Jesus' ministry uh, through his healings, um, the supernatural works that he did, pushing back the evil and the darkness of the world. We see that in the proclamation of the gospel. Uh, We see that in demons fleeing and being cast out by the power of God in Jesus. Uh, In Jesus, the kingdom of God was advancing and is advancing in the world. And uh, far beyond all earthly wisdom, God didn't just limit his kingdom to a physical and temporal world. But on the cross, Jesus, uh, sorry, on the cross and, and in the resurrection, Jesus, uh, the King of Kings, the champion of heaven, defeated once and for all the power of sin and death in this world through dying for our sins, through raising from the grave as the sure evidence that this is the truth of the universe. And the sure hope that when we put our trust in Jesus and follow after him, we too can experience the conquering of sin in our lives and ultimately have the hope of conquering death and eternal life in God's eternal kingdom. And so we too are called to advance the kingdom of God in our lives, in this community, in GPC, uh, and in the world around us. And so we're looking at what does that culture look like? If we are part of the kingdom, that, that kingdom has a culture. And so what should that culture look like? Uh, and two weeks ago, <coughs> excuse me, and Becky looked at how we use our words, how we speak to one another in the kingdom. We don't just, we don't tear down, we build up. We don't curse, we bless. Um, we are to encourage, uh, not discourage. Um, and this morning, I, I want to look at how we, or the need that we have to deepen our relationships with one another, to deepen our love for one another in God's kingdom. And um, I've written down here, Uh, This is when I I wrote my sermon um, a long time ago, so it may have changed. But the premise of my sermon today, um, we'll see how well I stick to this as we go, um, is that there is a need for us who are in the kingdom to deepen our relationships and grow in closeness and intimacy as a community, as an outpost of God's kingdom here in Glendalee. And that this common truth that we hold in our hearts of what we know to be true in Jesus what we know to be true for eternity should bind us together as a people who bring hope and peace and light in the midst of a world of darkness, chaos, and hopelessness. This should forge us together as a community uh, that reflects the glory of God. So, can we pray before I I get going? Heavenly Father, uh, you're so good to us. You're so, so good that you would call us Um, out of darkness and into your glorious light. And Jesus, we want to walk in the light as you are in the light. Uh, So Father, as we uh, look at your word today, as we look at 1 Peter 4, uh, would you truly encourage us to give all that we have um, to dive head on into your kingdom and to be a part of what you are doing in this world? Uh, Lord, not just uh, with part of our lives, but with all that we have and all that we are. So Lord, in your name we pray. Amen. I want you to imagine, if you can, uh, that your family are going to the hot pools, the best hot pools 
in Auckland. Waiwera is a bit run down now. So someone's built a new one. It's fantastic. It's got spas, saunas, hydroslides, lap pools, lane pools. Um, I say spas and saunas again because I love spas and saunas. It's got all this stuff. It's got a wave pool. Um, you can even surf at this wave pool. Um, it's got a general muck around pool with you know that log and there's that gun that you can like water gun you can shoot people off of. It's the best hot pools in the world, right? And you and your family are going to these hot pools, right? And you've decided because you love your minister so much, you're going to invite him with you, right? And, and the ticket's on you, right? So I surprisingly say yes. I will. I'm going to come. And, and so we, we meet at the hot pools, right? And I am just super excited, and you are super excited. And we, we pay our money, we get changed, and we charge out into the pool. And after five seconds, you notice that I'm not with you, and you turn around and look behind you to see me jumping and frolicking in the infant's pool. And you think this is funny, because I'm a funny guy. You're all laughing, I know. Right? You're frolicking, and I'm, I'm frolicking and splashing in the infant's pool. You think it's funny. But after 10 seconds or so, you start to get a little bit impatient. When you see me sort of kick back, put my hands behind my head and feet up, like I am the boss of the infant pool, you get a bit frustrated. And you come over to me, and you say, come on, come on, Chris. What are you doing? What are you doing? Like, let's go. Let's have fun. The whole day is before us. And I just say... I think I'll just stay here, actually. I really go in the other pools. This is all I need. Uh, nothing really, I don't need any more of this stuff. If this pool goes well for me today, the day will be fantastic. I'll meet you back here for lunch. Right? You'd think I was mad. Like, literally, you know, you might expect someone to kind of frolic around with the little kids as a you know, playful thing. But if that was my place in, for the day, you would literally think, that I was mad, not only because that's what a madman would do, but because there is so much more to be had in this experience of the hot pools, right? No one would be mad enough to do that. But what I think is that when it comes to our lives as Christians, of lives living in God's kingdom and God's community that we share here at GPC, in the hope of Jesus, many of us are satisfied with spending all our time in the infant pool of the kingdom right? Many of us are satisfied neglecting all that is out there to be enjoyed and that will enrich our Christian lives. And for those of us who might not be in that infant pool, but some of our friends and families are, we act as if that's normal. We act as if, this, as if that is okay. You would never act that me being in the infant pool at the hot pools was okay. But if we take that metaphor to the church and the kingdom, we're fine. Paddle, frolic, lie down, be the boss. Why are we happy with that? In the book of Hebrews in the New Testament, the author describes this as being fed on milk rather than solid food. If you're fed on milk, how will you grow? How will you mature? And they use this to talk about the faith. If you're fed on spiritual milk, how will you grow in the maturity of your faith? Again, take that example to its practical end. If we went to a restaurant, a cafe, fancy cafe, cafe on Koei, where they charge your arm and leg to buy a latte, and they said, Chris, what do you want? And I said, a bottle of formula, thanks. <laughs> uh, it's absurd, right? It's absurd. So, 
I think it does beg the question, what is the infant pool of the kingdom? What's the infant pool of the kingdom? How do we get out? <coughs> Excuse me. What other places are there for us to enjoy that will enrich our lives? We're going to get there. But sadly, the infant pool of the kingdom for many of us is our Sunday service. Right? Now, if you're not an infant, now if you're an infant or young in your faith, that's okay. Right? If you're only just beginning this walk with Jesus, that's okay. But you're not going to get out, and you're not going to go deeper, and you're not going to mature and learn how to swim properly if you stay there. You're never going to eat of the feast of God's kingdom if you refuse solid food for the bottle of formula that you've always known. So the call of the kingdom, the call of Jesus, is for us to be his disciples, to grow, to go deeper with him, and to make the most of the opportunities that he offers us, the most of the opportunities that we have here at GPC to deepen our faith and to mature as his disciples. Now, the more we give of ourselves, the more we're involved in his kingdom and in his community, in this GPC community, the more we care for our own spiritual growth through prayer and Bible reading, the more this service will change from an infant pool to one that's deeper. The more we engage and grow in our faith, the more we will get out of this service. So, uh, let's dive into that reading from 1 Peter chapter 4. And I think as we go there, there are some uh, directions to help us grow deeper together as a church and to bring that deep, rich kingdom culture uh, here at GPC. I'm aware that as I get going, I have tried to say too much. Um, so I will, won't try and say it all. I will leave some things out. So um, that's my little preface. Uh, so 1 Peter um, 4 to 7, the end of all things is at hand. So 1 Peter 4, 7 to 11, the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that, everything God, in, order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Well, throughout Peter's uh, letter to the churches, he's been um, speaking about who we are as God's people. He's described us as a royal priesthood, a chosen people, living stones being built into a spiritual house, a people for God's own possession. And in this section, um, he, this section of talking about who we are finishes with this little passage that we're reading um, this morning, that we're looking at this morning. And this part of his letter finishes by focusing on how we are to live as God's community, which will show us, which will show people who we are. How we are to live, which will show who we are. So he's told us who we are. How do we live to show who we are? The verse, first encouragement for us to live a kingdom life, to live a faithful life of discipleship is verse 7. The end of all things is at hand. Peter reminds us why we gather. He reminds us why we meet and what is the basis for what he's going to say next. That is, 
that what phase of history are we living in? He doesn't think that the end's going to world next week, world is going to end next week or next month or necessarily next year. But he's reminding us that all the major events of God's salvation plan, culminating in the death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus Christ and the pouring of God's Spirit out upon us at Pentecost, have already happened. And so therefore, Christ could return at any time. And we have to hold that in our minds as we live and follow Christ. And he says this specifically to encourage believers to persevere in following Jesus, to encourage us to uphold his teaching, even if it means we will stand out from the culture around us. And that's what was happening in Peter's time to the churches that he was writing to. They were being purposely excluded from the culture around them because they were a little different and because they wouldn't participate in the things that everyone else was doing, those things that were sinful. That the end is near then should serve us to pluck us out of our complacency that we would have. And I think comfort and complacency is one of the greatest risks to the church. This isn't just in terms of the lack of persecution, but when the church is thriving and when the church has plenty. When the bank balance looks healthy, when the service is going well, when kids' church is full and people are coming along to Sundays, it's easy to sit back and just enjoy the show, isn't it? Someone else will will do that. I don't really need to get stuck in. I don't really need to invite non-Christians along because, I mean, the church is full. There's no room. We've got a staff team. One of them will pick up the slack. We'll keep our funds for a rainy day. doesn't matter about what's in front of us right now. Things are going well. We don't need to think about how we re-engage the people who aren't coming. If things are going well, it's clearly their problem, not ours. Young people are young people. We don't need to think how we re-engage with them. They'll come eventually when they grow up. Christ could return at any moment. We should be stewards of his church, holding that in our minds. And so it should encourage us. It shouldn't scare us. It should encourage us and spur us on not to stand idle, not to watch the cloud for Christ's return. But it also means that we shouldn't just go it alone because by ourselves, we can only achieve a limited amount. But together, as we are formed and forged together as God's community and Christ's body in the world, we can achieve a lot. And so in verse 8, He encourages us then, above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. And there's two parts to this verse. First, love one another earnestly. What we take away from this is that love is something that as sinful men and women, we need to be conscious about channeling our energy into. Sometimes it's hard to love. Sometimes it's hard to love. When we're not feeling it, as it were. And love isn't just a feeling, especially as it's expressed in the Bible love. It's not just loving those who you like or loving those who are like you, but rather putting love into action, deliberately and intentionally loving one another. But that doesn't mean that it's cold. It doesn't mean it's mechanical or empty. But rather the love that we have should spring forth from the divine love that God has poured out upon each of us, that we have received from God. 
God has poured out His love upon us through the mediation of the Holy Spirit that has filled our hearts and our lives. The love of the Son who would die for us in our place. And this love would count us clean of sin to be righteous in God, our Father and Creator's eyes. And this love, when we recognize, when we recognize for what it is, and that it is for each of us, should cause us to look at our brothers and sisters who are fellow citizens of God's kingdom with genuine love of brothers and sisters, earnest. We should look at other people and go, God loves that person. God died for them. What a miracle they are. What an interesting person they must be that God sees eternal value in them. I want to get to know you because... And God loves you. And, and I love you because the love that God's put inside of me is the same love with which he loved you with. We should recognize in each other God's love poured out. We should recognize in each other a sinner saved by grace just like me. We should recognize ones who were once lost and are sinful and now clean and we're clean, sinful and now cleansed by the precious love of God. And as we do this, as we grow in this love, as we look at others who are, are men and women loved by God, who are lovable because God's loved them. Jesus tells us in John's gospel that this will be one of our greatest weapons for evangelism and for proclaiming to the world that Jesus is real, that Jesus is alive and rules over us today. So we are to grow in this love. And the greatest opportunity we have to grow and develop and thrive in loving one another here at GPC is by joining a small group. It's by joining a small group that regularly meets to in, together to encourage each other, to pray together to study God's word together and to support one another as disciples of Jesus. We have a number of small groups here at GPC and everyone should be a part of them. If you want to get out of the infant pool and put your toes in the bigger pool, that is the place to start. With others, growing with them. They're such a source of encouragement. Uh, I love my small group. I'm really encouraged. They meet at 6.30 a.m. Uh, every Wednesday. <coughs> Uh, the other week, I hit the snooze button too many times, and it was 6.35 when I woke up, and I jumped out of bed, and I ran there, because I didn't want to miss it. Even if I was 15 minutes late to our, our men's group in the morning, um, didn't bother me. I got a round of applause when I came in. Thanks, Sean. Um, and you know, that was so, it's so encouraging. It's so great. They, they pray for me. Um, I can be open about how I am, how I'm going as a father, as a husband, the worries that are on my heart about life and church. They pray for me, encourage me with scripture. Um, it's just such a, a wonderful opportunity to, to grow with them. Um, and in growing with them, I grow in myself and in my relationship with Christ. As we started this Lent study, uh, small groups come along to, to be a part of that. And it's, it's, it's so awesome. But it's great to see the relationships that they've got with one another, to see uh, how they laugh and how they, they talk and interact. Um, and, you know, I could be a small group junkie. 
Uh, you know, it's just being part of that. I want to be a part of it. Get another small group and be a part of that. It'd just be fantastic. Um, but they are the places that our relationships grow and thrive uh, and that we as Christians thrive as well. One pastor in a, in a mega church in America, which grew and now thrives on its small group ministry, said this, it's staggering how many issues in life become manageable when you're surrounded by people that love you and want God's best for you. How many life issues become manageable when you're surrounded by people who love you and want God's best for you? If you're willing to go, willing to put the effort in to love the others in these groups, they are so rewarding. This is the best way to get out of the infant pool and into the next one. The second part, though, so this covers the next question that, that comes to my head when I, if, if I was sitting, I'm going, okay, if I was down there, what would I say to this? And maybe, probably not here at GPC, but maybe um, I would go, but what if there's no one in any of the groups that I actually like? <laughs> I'm not saying you guys think that, I'm just projecting, and I'm owning that right from the start there, right? Peter has an encouragement for this too, right? The second half of verse 8, love covers a multitude of sins, right? This is not saying that we find atonement in loving others, right? Peter isn't saying people in church should not tell you that you're a sinner. They should just love you. You're okay the way they are. you are. Just love yourself. Or people should just love you. He's not saying also that we shouldn't hold people accountable to the sins that are in their lives or the behaviors that are ungodly or habits and lifestyles that are destructive and sinful. That is to manipulate this whole scripture, the whole of scripture, should I say. Love covers a multitude of sins, means that we don't go around looking for faults in one another, that we do go around seeking to think the best of others, that we spend our time lingering, that we don't spend our time lingering over past flaws, and we always stand ready to forgive one another. As I said just before, with God's love in us, having been saved by nothing but grace, we recognize that we ourselves, without God, are no better than the worst sinner we now call brother and sister. We must forgive. We must love. After all, the end is near. We're going to live with our brothers and sisters in eternity, aren't we? Love covers a multitude of sins. Verse 9. I stopped writing them down in my script. Verse 9. <clears throat> Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Hospitality is a part of, an essential part of the Christian life. God has showed us hospitality by inviting us around his holy table by inviting us into the kingdom where he welcomes us. We are called to offer hospitality to one another. It was an essential part of the life of the early church. It was a vital part for the early church. They didn't have buildings to meet in. They depended on loving Christians to open up their homes week in and week out without grumbling. Hospitality is vital to our church. As we get in the habit of showing hospitality to one another, 
there will be a natural flow-on effect that when visitors and newcomers arrive here at GPC, it will be in our DNA, God's hospitality so ingrained in us that our love and welcoming for the stranger will be another testimony to the power of Christ and that He is alive. But you are to offer hospitality uh, not begrudgingly, like someone who spends all their day complaining uh, but to everyone else that they've got a lot of people coming over for dinner and they have to spend their whole day cooking. Uh, I know someone uh, who is so busy all the time uh, because I've got to bake this and I've got to do this and I can't do that. I'm just so busy. I can't, I'm, I'm flat out. I'm sorry. They're just not offering loving hospitality. If, if it's a burden, just say no. <laughs> right? But, but do it. But, but this is how we are to thrive. This is how we go deeper. By eating together, by having a cup of coffee with one another. We need to keep in mind that so much can happen around the table, whether it be a dinner table or a coffee table. It can be discipleship. It can be evangelism. It can be a simple extension of grace, an offering of peace. Hospitality is a way to be vulnerable and open and to share with one another. Hospitality is a key part of our small group ministry, but it should also be a natural part of our DNA as disciples, where discipleship can happen and growth can happen. As we get to the habit of showing hospitality to one another, we will grow in love for one another. Verses 10 and 11. Love and giving what you are given is what I've called this. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others faithfully administering God's grace in various forms. Whenever I think that God's given me a gift, I don't know what you think about, but I think, what am I gifted in? As in, I'm, maybe I'm a good speaker, maybe I'm super friendly, maybe I'm a great cook, um, all, all of those sorts of things. I don't know, does anyone, does anyone else's head sort of go there when you say the gifts you've been given by God? It's not what he's talking about here. Think about as if you've been given this gift. It's like a present. It's not that you are gifted. It's God has given you a gift, and that gift is to be used in the service of God. Right? And so when, when Peter says we've been, everyone should use the gifts that they've been given to serve God faithfully, that's what it means. You've been given this gift to use to bless other people. And, and he names some, the, a list there um, that have to do with church life, but it, it's not extens- exhaustive. It, it's representative. Right? We've, we've each been given gifts from God that we are to be stewards of and use in God's service for advancing his kingdom. Are you using the gift for God? Are you keeping the present all to yourself? Have you wrapped it, unwrapped it in your bedroom and not letting anyone in to see what it is? We must use the gifts. We must use them in the way that it was intended by the gift giver for the glorification of God. That's verse 11. And so as we think about our culture then here at GPC, of growing, 
part of this is loving. Well, a massive, huge bulk of it is loving. Another part of it is, is growing together in hospitality, is using our gifts. But what that says is we need you. The people sitting around you need you. We all need one another. We can't go it alone. 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, all talk about this idea of the church being a body. A body can't function without an arm or a a leg, or it can't function as it was supposed to. It can't function to its full capabilities. We need you. You're needed by us. So, will we get out of the pool that we're in at the moment? Will we not be content with frolicking in ankle-deep water? But will we hear the call of Christ to go deeper, deeper together, deeper for the glory of God? And for those of us who believe, it does mean, for those of us, sorry, who are already Christians, this means diving full on in. Do all these things. You've been given a gift to look after. Use it appropriately. For the end is near. And God's going to see how you went with his gift. For those of you who are standing on the edge, or maybe have some questions, the fact that you're here is that shows that you're testing the pool, even if it's just the infant pool. You've, you're though, though you are invited to jump on in to God's kingdom, Love covers your sins. God's love who gave his son for your life. You've only dipped into the shadow, shallows of life precisely because you don't have what makes life so valuable and so precious. God's hospitality to you is a place at the table in his kingdom, which is yours because his son was cast off from the table. The gift that God has given you is eternal life. And it's precious because of the love and hospitality of God, but it's real because Jesus didn't just die for you. But death had no power over him because he was sinless, and he rose from the grave and reigns in glory and will come again. The end is near and ask us to give an account for the gifts that he's given us. Have we accepted accepted it? Have you accepted it? Are you hoarding it or are you using it for the glorification of God? And the catch is, this may sound like a burden, but the truth is that it is only knowing your creator and accepting and using the gifts he's given you that you will truly experience freedom and life in all its fullness and all its abundance as we grow together, loving one another, growing with each other, in the fullness of God's kingdom. So shall we pray? Oh God, you're so good to us. And uh, we do want to do, we just want to worship you. We just want to give you all that we have. We want to dive full on, Lord, into the life that you have before us. 
So God, I just pray a, a blessing over everyone now, Lord, a blessing that you would fill them with your Holy Spirit and that you would give them courage to just dive into the life that you offer us. To not worry because you are with us. To not care what others think because our Creator thinks we're great. So God, help us take whatever step we need to next. Inspire us to join a small group. Encourage us to be vulnerable with others, to show hospitality, to meet together, and to grow with our brothers and sisters who we have the privilege of spending eternity with. Amen.